Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Welcome to the Author's Corner. I'm Robin Colucci, and I'm really excited about today's episode because one of the things that I have noticed when authors are talking about their books and the results that they've received from having their books in the world, it's usually pretty quickly after the book came out, right? So when we're hearing these kinds of stories about an author's experience and how having a book in the world added value to their lives, added value to their business, we're usually hearing about what those shifts were in the first few months after release, maybe in the first year. And with this in mind, today I have invited one of my former clients whose book was published in 2010. And as of this recording, it was almost exactly 10 years prior to this recording that her book came out. And I invited her onto the show so that she could talk about what she has experienced as a result of having her book over the past 10 years. And what is the growth that has occurred in her life and the changes that have uh, happened and how has her life been enriched and as a result of having this book on multiple levels. And with this in mind, I am delighted to introduce to you Deborah Maldonado, who is the author formerly known as Debbie Burnt, and is the CEO of Creative Mind Media, a personal development and life coach training company that she founded with her husband, Robert Maldonado, uh, who has a PhD in psychology. Together, they have trained thousands of people across the world in their Creative Mind Method, a coaching system based on Jungian psychology, social neuroscience, and Eastern spirituality. She is the author of the best-selling book, Let Love In, Open Your Heart and Mind to Attract Your Ideal Partner, which was published in 2010 by John Wiley and Sons. And Deborah has been featured in multiple uh, news outlets, including ABC News, uh, Fox News, NBC, Cosmopolitan Magazine, uh, YourTango.com, Publishers Weekly, Playboy Radio, and the list goes on and on. Her mission is empowering women to create change in the world through the journey of individuation, uh, the spiritual psychology of becoming your true self. It is so great to be uh, sitting here with you and having you as a guest on my podcast. Well, I am so happy to be here. It, you know, it makes me think of um, so many things, so many uh, shared experiences that we had early in both of our careers in this crazy world of coaching. Yeah, it started 17 years ago. Can you believe it? <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> we still look as, as young as ever. <laughs> right. That's right. We, do, we aged very nicely. We, we yes. look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same, but much wiser. Only more gorgeous, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the segment that we're talking about here is the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. And... You and I did your book journey together. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just kick off by what, what is the first thing that you remember about our early conversations about your desire to do a book? Well, I was thinking about this today because I was thinking about our conversation, thinking about us. And I mean, you were my first real like coach coach that I've ever had. So 
I never had an experience of having a coach before. So it was so many new things with you. And I had just started my hypnotherapy practice. I was in the corporate world and left and I wanted to write a book. And a friend of mine at a mastermind said, oh, I'm going to go see my business coach. And I said, a business coach, what is that? And we went to your house and you were showing your book that you were doing. And I said, oh, I want to meet with you. And I remember the very first meeting we met at Starbucks and I asked, what does a coach do? And you said, it takes you, there's a chasm between where you are and where you want to be. And I take you, build a bridge to that, over that chasm. And I said, well, I want to write a book. And you said, well, I can help you do that. And I said, but I'm not a good writer. <laughs> and you said, there's a book out there that has zero, it's like what, everything a man knows about a woman. Do you remember that story? Yes. Yeah. And, there, and it's all blank pages. <laughs> everything, <laughs> all the men know about women. And you said that would become a bestseller. So you don't really need to be a great writer that like bust that myth. But I think working with you helped me become a better writer. The whole process of taking a book from an idea into actually seeing it come to fruition when everyone else would say no, stretched me and developed me in so many ways. And you were there the whole way. And it's been uh, the foundation of everything I have today. So and I, it's, and I it's really think- amazing. And I remember that first conversation at Starbucks and you telling me that. So I remember something because you'd been doing hypnotherapy for a while and you were a kind of a generalist at the time, mm-hmm. right? You did smoking cessation, you did weight, weight loss. loss. And then there was this other thing that you did that you were the most excited about. Mm-hmm. And why don't you take it from there? Because I, I think that this is such a... Um, well, I'll tell you my interpretation, but go ahead. <laughs> so you- well, I, think you're right. I think I tried to sell what I thought was going to make me money, but my heart was with the love, but I had, was single. So I didn't feel I had the credentials or the, the gumption to say, hey, I can help you find love. Well, Deb, uh, what about you? <laughs> or can I write a book on love? Because I do I know, I, I obviously am failing in this area. So that whole, whole, the whole process, I believe, and I don't know if this is where you're going with this, but I was so passionate about the topic of relationships and what stops people from finding love that it made me go deeper into that question. And through the book, it almost became my own personal development journey of transforming because before I even got the book deal, I met my true love. And so I always say, you were my de facto first love coach because you, I came here for business, but I ended up finding love and everything else that um, came from that. And then I think when I met Rob, I started to really believe like, wait, there is something to what I'm, I know, and I know more than I thought I knew. And now I need, and then I had the passion to share it with others. So yeah. is that where you're going with it? Or? I, it is, it is. I remember from our first conversation you were already saying you wanted to write a book on finding love, mm-hmm. the love of your life. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but I, I don't have a boyfriend. I never had a relationship <laughs> that lasted longer than a year. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a PhD, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said, you're not a hypnotherapist. You're a hypnotherapist. And even a lot of my colleagues would say, well, no one's going to, you don't have the credentials to write a book. Right, right. And um, do you remember what I said to you? Because I remember. <laughs> Tell me. I I, remind I, me. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, have you helped other people? Oh, out? yes. And I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and I, I was like, well, that's all you need. And I said, who knows? Maybe by the time you get the agent, you'll, you'll meet the guy. <laughs> and the reason I got the agent I did is because I told her my love story. And she wrote me back and she said, I was so inspired by your story that I want to, I want to get behind this book. So, and the whole idea of not being broken, there's, you know, like this brokenness about love. If you're single, you have to heal everything and there's something wrong with you and all the things I struggled with. And yeah, so, and then I ended up getting a psychologist as a husband. <laughs> right. I <laughs> got my PhD, PhD. indirectly. <laughs> right. You're, you're I, I, my affirmation was I want a PhD, but I got it in the form of a man. 
You got it the fun way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, that is so, but what's interesting about what you just said is that it was the very thing that you were afraid would disqualify you. The struggles that you'd had with love. Yes. And the setbacks and the, Mm -hmm. and the, all the mind trash that you had to wait Mm -hmm. turned out to be the, the thing that attracted the agent and ultimately landed you the book deal. And it helps me. I mean, my clients over the years all said she's been there. Like they don't want to trust someone who's book smart is going to tell you attachment theory. And, you know, I have a relationship, so I'm going to tell you how to have it. They want to hear from someone who struggled and wrestled with the same things you did. And so it really had a personal, I always felt like it was my diary. I was giving away to people. It's very intimate, but I think that's what made the book successful is and accessible to people is that this really changed my life. And so many people, my sister met her husband after she read the book. So it's magical um, how this all works. So it's, it, it, you know, it's just, I think what you're trying to say is that a lot of people come and they say, who am I to write a book? And, you know, who am I to teach, be a teacher? Who, what do I have to share? And I think if you struggled with anything, you're the best subject to talk about that subject because you had to ask the deeper questions. Mm-hmm. You had to wrestle with it. The one thing I think is really interesting in what you're sharing is that when you began the book project, you were not coming from a place of, I have it all figured out. I'm the, the expert on the giant pedestal and all of you bow to me and follow my ways. You know, you were really coming from a place of, I've, I'm in the trenches in some way, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been in the trenches and I've had to- Got out of the trench. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really was um, a lot of my personal stories in there um, and then working with clients. And I remember thinking, I helped so many people find love. Uh, why is it my, you know, why isn't this happening for me? And, and just kind of finding out like all the thing, I, I think I found out, like resolved a lot of every woman's problems with love. I figured out myself, I, like a piece of every woman was in me. And so I was able to like look at it from so many different angles. You know, that's one thing about love and relationship books. A lot of people think like what I see out there is a lot of women like, oh, I did this one thing and that changed everything. Well, you know what? Everyone is not going to do that one thing. I wrote a letter to myself and told myself I loved me and that worked. So everyone do it. And, you know, I think the approach of if you struggle with something, you have many, many, many different uh, facets of, of where you're struggling and where people struggle. And then also my experience working with so many people, you know, getting to know their unconscious and what stops them. And, and really, um, it's just, a, it was a beautiful journey. The book brought me love. <laughs> I <laughs> let love in. <laughs> let love in. So mm-hmm. how wonderful is that? I mean, that's yes. Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons why I think right now for us to do this interview is such perfect timing is we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the publication of Lent. Yes. We're actually past it. It was in February. It was February. Yes. Why in my mind it was October? And you know what? I, I should- got the deal in October. Oh, that's what it was. And then so 18 I- months later. <laughs> I got to share this with you because I dug this up. Does this look familiar? Oh, my, uh, oh that was my book signing March 2010. <laughs> That's the two of us. Uh, you, you don't look at all different. I look different. <laughs> that's before I You just it. have different hair. You right. different. <laughs> and that's the two of us talking about your launch and your new release. And I thought that would be just kind of fun to share. With oh, you. yeah. I have to check that out. I, right. <laughs> uh, that was uh, really fun to do all the book signings. And uh, we had one in New York City. We had one in a couple in New York City. We had one in... Uh, uh, Denver at the Tattered Cover. Um, so many people there. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's just an, a, a surreal experience. And your books did very well. You were, mm-hmm. um, I think, what was it on the, the top 100 relationship books for like two or three years? Yeah, yeah. And I get so many people from all over the world, uh, a publisher in India bought out books. So I have a lot of fans in India. 
so, and it was distributed internationally because it was published by Wiley, which everyone asks me to this day is that, how did you get a deal with Wiley? Like you, you know, and, and the cool thing is I got the deal right before the great recession in 2008 is when I got the deal and then the recession happened and then the publishing industry started to change. So I had just snuck in like for that, before the election, everything, and then everything started to fall apart right around that time. So it was really like perfect timing for me. And, uh, and so it's been, yeah, it's been really incredible. The amount of people, I just talked to someone a couple weeks ago who wanted, we do our training program. And she said, Oh, I read your book and I met my husband and it's been, you know, it changed my life. And all these people that you never get to meet, but a book really helps you replicate your wisdom and get it and distribute it to people that normally you wouldn't be able to reach one-on-one. And so it's been really cool to hear people just out of the blue, like I read your book five years ago. And so. And you know, that's that's the thing that that's one of the reasons besides I just love talking to you no matter what. But uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you talking about your journey is it's so rare that we get to hear from an author 10 years after the book came out, right? Like mm-hmm. usually when an author's interviewed about a book, it's, you know, within months of the release or maybe a couple of years. But I'd love to have you share about what's happened in your life since we know, we know that you met your husband now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is huge. But I know a lot of other things have changed and I'd love to have you share, you know, what are some of the things that stand out for you in terms of what your life looks like now versus before the book came out? Well, before the book came out, when I, you were coaching me, I was living in a basement of a house in Washington Park in Denver, paying like $400 a month rent. And I thought, can I make the rent this month? It was like I was just starting my business. And thanks to you, we were brought it up to six figures, like really quickly. Uh, having just private sessions as, as a hypnotherapist. And so it was great. And then I, we moved to New York. Rob got his um, doctorate. He was getting his residency at one of the medical centers there. So I moved to New York. I had to start over. And that's when I really started expanding and doing things online versus in person. And uh, over the years, I would say that that book that I worked on with you has brought me multiple, at, oh, at easily over $10 million in income. And it's afforded me to now live in this beautiful, I live in Hermosa Beach, California, the 70 degree weather, except it's kind of smoky here right now. But it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I have see the ocean from my office uh, window, like right if I took the blinds up, Pacific Ocean, palm trees, and um, I live with the love of my life. I get to work with people all over the world. And um, it all started from that one kind of idea. And I think the book, it's more than just the book made me, you know, give, gave me that. It's the process of growth I went through to make that book happen and things I had to stretch. And I remember the first time I, I, I said, I want to do some TV interviews before we were getting the book published. Do you remember that? And um, you said, uh, I said, oh, I shouldn't send that press release out. It's Friday. They're not going to read it. It should go on on a Tuesday. And you said, Debbie, send it now. <laughs> I sent it and within 24 hours, I was called by three the stations in Denver, got interviewed. And so I got to experience that nervousness of being on television and being interviewed. And I've been interviewed on TV all over. And so like just these little things that having a book or having that, that you know, it stretches you to have more experiences and be able to um, do things that, you, that scare you that you never thought you can do. And it's just exciting. And you ended up getting a, a regular segment on one of those shows. Yes. Uh, actually, in Denver, I was uh, on every Saturday, every one month, every Saturday for like almost two years. And then we moved to New York. So it kind of just, I went every once in a while, I flew back. But um, yeah, and then I started doing uh, PR in New York and was on Fox News, their online news thing. One girl read my book and loved it. So she wanted to put me on segments all the time. And did some uh, for NBC and, and some affiliates down in DC and New York. So I did the Eastern Seaboard. So it was really fun. It was kind of got to be a Rob and his mom came one time and they sat in the green room while I went on and it was just fun. <laughs> it was like, Ooh, she's a celebrity. 
Good way to impress the mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, what, what you're saying is so true. One of the things that I say when I, when I speak about, about authorship is that the book is like a diploma, right? It's evidence that you went through a process, that you went mm-hmm. through a transformation. But the transformation happens in the process. Yes. And the book is just, you know, like, like collecting your diploma and holding it up to the floor. It's like the Oscar after you're done right. with all the work. <laughs> exactly. Right. All the acting lessons and the rehearsals and, the, and, the, mm-hmm. and everything on the cutting room floor. That's, that's what authoring is. And I, and I really think that that's where you become a, a better authority is, mm-hmm. is in the exploration and in the writing. It, there is there's also something so thrilling about going into a bookstore and seeing your book on a shelf. It just, it seems so odd, but it, it, a friend of mine um, from high school, uh, when I first, my book first came out, she goes, I was looking through the books and I saw Deborah Bird. <laughs> and she's all excited that I know her. I went to high school with her. And, you know, it's just kind of fun. So there's all these fun parts of it too. Like you get to be, um, you know, kind of get this credential that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what, when we think back to the process itself, what did you find to be the greatest challenge? I think initially it was that the belief I can make it happen, like believe in myself that I, like you and I talked, just talked about just the idea that do I have the credentials or the, do I have the knowledge to write a book like this? You know, do I know enough about love to create a book like this? I think uh, what you did when I worked with you is help me structure everything and put everything where it needed to go. And the writing a proposal, I had no idea what to do, helping me get um, interviews and telling me write articles and building my list and all the things that I that most people don't know is involved in writing a book. It's more than just writing a great book. It's all the business part of it and the marketing and all those things. So I think the biggest challenge was. Uh, before I worked with you is how do I do this? Can I do this? And how do I do this? How do I make this happen? And that's that bridge that you say you built for me. With you. Yes. Yes. With me. (laughs) We built it together. You're only as good as your best clients, right, Robin? (laughs) It helps to have a client who does their homework. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's really important. Like you can hire hire Robin, and but if you're you're not going to do the work, it's not going to work. She can't guarantee it's going to work for you unless you actually do what you're told (laughs) and and stick to it. Yeah, really, it's true. No one's going to wave a magic wand for you. You have to do the work. And a lot of it is, uh, I think, more internal, um, you know, battling with yourself of, of that, what are people going to think? And is this going to sound stupid? And what if, what am I, I mean, the night before the book was public, uh, out in the bookstores, I was having like a little panic attack, like, oh my God, all my dating stories are in this book and everyone's going to read it. And, you know, that kind of being exposed a little bit. I think we all writers, all creative people have that fear. So it's a, you need someone who understands that and also can work with you through that. So it's not just the mechanics of writing a book, but who you have to become to allow it to, to really be genuine. Because I think you could write a book that you're hiding everything, or you can write a book that you're revealing uh, deeper parts of yourself. Yeah, and that, I think that was a big key to the success of your book is how you were so willing to be vulnerable with your readers. Yes, very vulnerable. <laughs> I, I was afraid. I don't think Rob read it. I don't think he wanted to. <laughs> I don't think there were many dating stories about Rob, though. <laughs> no, but I don't think he wanted to hear the other. He's <laughs> right. like, la, 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 la. <laughs> No kidding. But your mom, my mom reading it and my aunts and uncles and my yeah. cousins, and they all came to my book signing in New York. And Rob was just amazed. He was like, wow, look at all these people, my parents. And I'm standing up in front of these, these family members, my old tribe that sees me as like this little Debbie. And here I am, this author. And it was just, it, it was really weird. It was, I, I was a different person to them. And uh, it was really cool. That is interesting. They were all so proud of me and so supportive. And 
opposite of what you think. A lot of people think no one's going to support me. They're looking for me to fail. They're going to tell me it's stupid. You know, all the things that mind tells you that you can't do it. Here of like, I mean, probably most of us don't want our mom to know all of our dating stories, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I kept it on. I didn't keep it on like, uh, it was G, PG, <laughs> definitely not XX. <laughs> right. It wasn't, it, right. But, but, but still, you know, I mean, I, I think something that is interesting because the, what I notice comes up a lot for authors um, as a concern is more about what the people they know will think than mm -hmm. about what the readership at large. And, and I'm yes. going to reflect a similar concern. Yes, absolutely. There's so many people that um, I was worried, like, what will they think? And my friends and... Well, at my um, a book signing in Denver, I had so many of my friends. I spent many of my single years there, as you know. And so all my single friends are there. And the first thing I said was, I know you're standing up. I'm standing up here and you're wondering, what the hell does Debbie know about dating? She's like terrible at it, you know, but I guess, you know, that's what makes you, they said never a, a skilled sailor on a stormy sea, you know? Right. And so, <laughs> so I just kind of made light of it and said, I know you guys are all thinking, what does Debbie know about love? But it turns out a lot. <laughs> I think I know a lot about love. Yeah. And it's so rewarding to hear friend, people just tell me their love stories, you know, about how that book helped them. And, you know, to say that even I said, if I can help one person with this book, I'll feel like I've done my job. And, and, and that's all you think about it. It's just that one person. And if you can change one person's life with your book, you've done your job. Is it worth that? Yes. You changed the course of someone's life. Well, you've changed many, many more. Yes. The people who've reached out to you. Mm hmm. Yeah, so many people told me, like, literally, they read my book and two weeks later, looked at their partner, one of my friends at the book signing said, I looked at the guy next to me. Oh, she sent me an email after, after the book signing. And she said, uh, my friend of 10 years, I was, he's been in love with me. And I didn't realize the love of my life was right next to me for 10 years. And they're still together. I mean, I just saw her it was like 20 years later, because it's opened up something in her mind. My sister met her husband 20 day, twenty um, a month later. Um, so many like people, I read your book and then I met my husband <laughs> and then I knew everything that I needed to know. <laughs> Maybe I have to read it again. Or Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does work with the unconscious as you read it. So it like speaks directly to the deeper self. And so... But yeah, it's just amazing. And then I had courses I did after it, but that's where the money comes from is you're not going to make a million dollars from the book if you go with a publisher because you get very little royalty. But then you leverage the book to build your business and do consulting or what we do, coaching. And it's led to so many wonderful, meeting amazing people all over the world and then clients and they want to coach with you and they want to pay top dollar because you're an author. It really does... <laughs> Yeah. Lend itself to a nice lucrative uh, second income. <laughs> yeah. And then and let's talk a little bit about even after that, right? Because now, now you've, you've done some pivoting and evolution in mm -hmm. your business. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell our listeners a little bit about that, because I, I think that there's also some interesting. Yes. Which is going to lead to my second book, because I think, when you write a book, it, it, it's where you are right now. So you are going to evolve. And so the next book is the next evolution of you or where you're going next. And when I first wrote the book, I was really, I was a hypnotherapist and I kind of knew, you know, kind of at a certain level of my evolution. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, met Rob and we started working with Jungian psychology and deeper levels of the unconscious and more like advanced work. And now I'm like, you know what, I need another book. And the business pivoted too, because we're not doing just love anymore. We're actually training coaches. So we're taking a lot of the, what I wrote in that book, a lot of the concepts and uh, training coaches. So now we have a certification. I wish I would have, I need to write another book now to kind of match where we are now. So it's kind of that evolution. I've been working on it, <laughs> working on what it's going to be and, um, it's really cool to see that now there's even more. It's, it's, and uh, your book, even as it is, it's a great book. 
And then you'll have another level of people you can work with as you evolve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that also speaks to another concern that I hear a lot of people come into this conversation with, which is, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of the book is, is fixed in, in a particular moment of time. And so what happens as they evolve and, you know, and, and like, there's almost this fear of like, I'm, I'm expected to know everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, a lot of people ask me, well, what about your book? And, you know, you're talking about this, is this in your book? And I said, well, that was my, you know, I wrote that 17 years ago. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've grown since then. Thank God I'm not just hanging on <laughs> because you see there's people that have written their book in 1960 and they're still teaching the same stuff. And it's, you know, it's like, great author reinvents herself all the time. And it doesn't mean that the other thing is discounted. It's just that it's a different stage. And so there's people that are, get a lot out of my book still. They're not ready for where I am now. They have to kind of go through this to get to this level. And so those who, it's kind of like I always tell Rob, it's like a yoga class. It's like you can do level one or level two. Are you ready to do the handstand yet? No, well, let me do the downward dog. It's kind of easy. Let me ease myself into this. I think a lot of people that read Let Love In or read the book are, were beginners in self-help. You know, maybe it's the first personal growth book they read. And so it's perfect for those people. And then other people are like, this is great, but I, wanted, I want more. And then that's where we're, we're training people now in like a deeper way to work and working. I, I didn't really get into dream work in that book and archetypal work and all the other fun stuff that happens in the unconscious. So. But it doesn't negate what we did before. It's just a different stage. Well, clearly, because it's mm-hmm. still working for people. Yeah, yeah. We're still working it. Yes, I'll, st- I'll still get clients that are coaching with me in the new process, but they're saying, I read, oh my God, your book is so great. And they still, it, it doesn't feel like it's out of sync. It's still relatable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll pick it up and read it and say, wow, that was really profound. I can't believe I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so great. I'm so wise, you know, like, wow, this is really good. This is a really good book. And I think it helps um, to have a really good editor uh, to help you bring that out. And I, I think one of the challenges, I think I did not have formal training in writing. I mean, I took college classes in writing, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I was a professional writer. So I think a lot of people will probably think, well, I'm, you know, how am I going to write a book? I don't know how to write a book. And having a good editor and a good coach, you basically become a better writer. You, you, you actually improve that. And, and it's such an incredible skill to have because writing blogs and marketing copy and emails and, and all those things that you have to do for a business is much easier if you have that skill. So you're getting you know, a skill that you can use in other areas. That, that's really true. And really, once you've done the heavy lifting of a full-length book, an email or a blog post doesn't feel uh, quite so monumental. And I have to tell you an, uh, an interesting challenge I, I experienced while um, I got the book deal. And they told me the book, it was 2009, uh, or 2008. It was when the whole you know, thing happened. And they, uh, October, I signed the deal. And they said, we want you to have it by the end of January, or end of February or January, like right after the new year. Well, November, it was the, the year Barack Obama won for the first time in 2008. And my, that, that night, election night, remember how late everyone was up? Because it was like so late. My dad was uh, admitted to the hospital and was diagnosed with cancer. And then the next week, we found out it was acute uh, leukemia which means that he had to go and stay in the hospital for a month over the holidays and get intensive chemo. And it was like out of the blue because he was healthy. And here I am, my book is due in eight weeks. And I was like, I told my agent, I said, I just want to let you know what's going on. And she's like, do you think you'll be able to do it? And I said, I'm going to try. And actually writing that book during those three months, while my dad was going through chemo, I did go see him and do all those things. He lived out of state. But it kind of gave my mind something to do. So I wasn't ruminating on worry for all that time. So it actually served another divine purpose for me is to keep me moving while this other huge distraction. But I bet you 
Not many people would do what I did. I think a lot of people would use it as an excuse to say, you know what, I can't focus on this right now. And I think those of you who want to write a book, want to hire Robin, you're going to have excuses come up. You're going to have things happen. People get sick. And if you let that stop you, you're never going to reach your dreams. You're never going to go. And so it was really um, amazing how I can able to compartmentalize, focus on the book, call family members, deal with what was going on, but then focus on the book. (laughs) And it was just, I just had that goal and I was committed to it. And so I, I, you know, that's, I just think that's so important. I know writers always have these, oh, I don't feel like writing right now. (laughs) I just feel like I need to meditate a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, And they put off and put off and put off uh, what they want to do. So it, don't let anything stop you. In any, through the whole process, there's going to be things that show up that will tempt you to stop. And, and, you know, something that you said there is so important that it actually helped you get through that period. Yes, because um, other, it was like gave me something to do, like gave me something to focus on that was actually positive while I'm going through this horrendous experience. And um, yeah, and then my father came to my book signing, so it was really fun. He said he brought his boat um, uh, brochures so he can pick out the boat that he's going to buy with all the money I'm going to make. <laughs> well, but he, you know, he, he, he drove up for eight hours after, you know, he recovered and he was there for there. And then it was just such an incredible experience. Like before he died, he ended up passing away like two years later, but he went into remission and he was able to see me. And at his funeral, I have to tell you this too. Oh my God, this is so amazing. I might cry. At his funeral, I was meeting, like my father never speaks about how proud he was of me. He was kind of quiet. At his funeral, everyone came up to me, oh, you're Deborah. You're the one who wrote the book. He was so proud of you. All he talked about was my daughter, the author, my daughter, the author. He was so proud. And so even if family members don't tell you directly, they just do feel that. And it was it was just like, wow, like that book gave me so much of my life. It gave me my love. It gave me growth. It, it gave me um, a million dollar business. And also this just kind of connection I had with my father that I couldn't have had. And, you know, to be able to, I don't know, just have him feel proud of me and, and see what I've done. And um, I don't know, it's just wonderful. It really is. And, and, you know, it's interesting because if you'd stopped and postponed, you know, it, he might not have seen it. And um, I, who knows with the, um, with the, econ- the way the economy was going, the, I mean, Riley could have pulled out of the deal. If I didn't deliver, they would have said, you know what, we're done. But they, we had the deal, so they had to go through with it. But right after that, they cut off all future deals. So if I would have delayed. So it was almost like I was forced to do it in a way. It was either do it or you're going to lose it. And uh, yeah, so it, it, like I, I said, it, it gave me so much. And it was something I've always wanted to do since I was a little girl is write a book. And so when you said you could help me, I was like, where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) And I really couldn't afford you at the time, which you were so cheap at that time. (laughs) I was like, barely like, how can I afford this? But I wanted it so bad that I I did it. And uh, it was. And you know, what's interesting is you did not balk like you didn't, you, you were not like, oh, I don't know. You know, you were just like, okay. I think uh, everything I do, I, I, I'm committed to when I commit to it. So I'm not the type. And I think you just have to either become committed or if you're committed, you really are going to do well. If you, you could stick to something, this is, it's a long game. It's not write a book and then it's published and then you're a superstar. <laughs> it's, it, it's a long game uh, and you have to play the long game to, for this to work for you. And you can't get scared by the, the distractions. Yeah. And sometimes distractions, I think, show up to just see how, so we get to find how bad you want it. <laughs> how committed we really are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it was such a journey and it's like um, the journey was worth it more than it, all the everything else I got from it. The journey itself is like to challenge yourself to do something you've never done. So um, what advice would you give somebody who's at the very beginning of this journey and or, you know, contemplating? Because as you said, there's so many questions. Actually, before we go to the advice, what do you think is the most important 
question that, a, that a, somebody contemplating a book, uh, get, going for a book deal and, and everything that, you know, getting it. Well, I guess the most important question is why do you want to write the book? And why are you the person to write this book? And then what's the point? Like, and I think it's a, I think people misunderstand. Like for me, I thought, well, once I get the book, I'm going to just have tons of money <laughs> come in and I'll be on Oprah. It's just going to be like a, it's like a lottery card, you know, it's just like, I'm going to win the lottery if I just get the book published. And, um, and so you have to really be clear on, uh, I think the one thing I asked myself is, do I want a publisher? Or do I want to self-publish? And then that goes back to why. And how soon do I want to write the book? How soon do I want to get it out? And then how can I use that book? That's the one thing I missed. Um, I mean, I used it for my business, but I think I could have had a better strategy around it. You know, looking back, there's many things I could have done differently. But what's the strategy around releasing the book? How do we um, use that book to for other revenue, not just sell the book, sell the book and be famous. You know, it's like, how can we make this be a part of the business? And what's the big picture? So then you write the book that you want to write versus, I think it's important not to write a book just to make money or just to write a book for your business. You get, you see those books out there. These business coaches are like, you can do it, you know, with their thumbs up and they're like, hey, seven figures, you know, and they're dancing on the beach. And it's so like hypey and it's just, you know, it's more like a um, egotistical, like, look at me, I wrote a book and, uh, huh? Yeah. Look how great I am. And you're, and it's not really well written and it's just, and so you just really like, do I want to write a great book? And, and, do I, and, and does the person I'm working with have experience in writing and journalism and real writing, not Becky, the business coach? <laughs> who knows how to do his funnel, and now she can tell you how to book, write a book about a funnel. <laughs> Becky, the business coach. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like there's so many like, uh, self-published books out there that you read them, and it just you know that the person that helped them didn't have the guidance, you know, the kind of the, um, like you have a background in journalism. You understand structure of a sentence. <laughs> book structure and ideas and, and things like that. And I think that's really important. And we can't discount that because people feel that quality. They feel like if you're like selling them, I feel read a lot of books, you know, that coaches pub, self-publish and it's a lot of salesy kind of like they're writing a book, like they would write an email to someone. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> read one of those and you're just like, this sounds like a, a website, you know, that they're writing. It's, it's co too conversational. There's no structure. And, um, and yeah, it, it might sound great. You know, it might sound very, you know, motivational, but if you want it to be quality, people can feel it. There's something when you read something and it has that structure to it, unconsciously, your mind, your ego mind feels a little more like this is real. You know, there's, it's a little, it's not as fluffy. That's something I don't know how to explain it any better, but it's, it's like getting someone who knows writing. Well, and it's not just writing. It's interesting because when you're talking about self-publishers, which, you know, we still work with them. At this point in our, we're doing like 80% traditional and about 20% self-publishing. But I look at it in my philosophy that the reader should not be able to tell the difference, right? The reader's experience of that book should be the, the quality of a, of a traditionally published book. Yes, absolutely. That, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. And every aspect of it, the content obviously being number one. But even the design and layout, you know, so yes. many published books, like the, the text goes too deep into the middle of the, the book where the gutter is, you know, the set mm -hmm. gutter, or the cover looks like it was designed, you know, like the author made it themselves. Uh, A stock photo. And, and, yeah. right. and, and, and it just, it just screams, I cut corners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so, you know, and, and I, and this is definitely not a traditionally published book. And I think aside from the prestige issue, I think that the underlying thing that, I, and this is what I wanted to share, because I think this is so connected, not only to what you're saying, but in a way to your work <laughs> <laughs> is that it sends a subconscious signal to the reader that there's something off here. 
Yes, that's what I was saying. And the problem is they don't know layout. They don't know how a sentence is supposed. They don't know anything about writing. But they've read so many other traditionally published books that they kind of are used to it. Right. And they send something's off. So guess what they think the problem is? The author. Well, you know, this reminds me of that story about Malcolm Gladwell in Blink, where the guy was the curator and he was like, this is a fake. And he couldn't figure out what it was. But he said unconsciously, he's looked at so many different sculpture, this, this one sculptor. And that time he was like, but it turned out the stone wasn't in that area or something. Like it was something random that he consciously wouldn't know. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I also think too, when you're talking about that, and we talk about why, I'm, you know, the mind girl. (laughs) If you're writing a book to make money, people will feel it. If you're writing a book to impress people, people will feel it. And if if you're writing because you genuinely love this topic and you genuinely want to share, people will feel it. And so you have to really be careful. That's why I say you have to know why. You have to get an expert who knows how to write. And you have to have a plan for the book that's actually going to, you can't just say, I'm going to make a million, sell a million books and sit on a beach in Cabo. Uh, That's what everyone's dream is. I'm going to, or I'm going to be on Oprah. (laughs) Remember when I was working with you, Oprah was still on and I was like, I'm going to just be on Oprah. And then the overnight (laughs) success. Big surprise. (laughs) Oprah hasn't called yet. But but it's interesting. I I lived in Santa Barbara for a while and she lives lived a mile from me. And Rob and I were in a restaurant uh, one night and I said to him, I was my back was to the door. And I said, you know, I think the next step for me is to be on Super Soul Sunday. And he said, oh, well, I guess it might happen. Uh, That's it, synchronicity. And I'm like, why? He goes, look who just walked in. Oprah had just walked in the door when I said that. I was like, oh my God. Oh, isn't that amazing? All so right. I thought, that's well, that's, that's my next book, my goal. <laughs> There's book two. Yeah. Manifesting Oprah. Is <laughs> I just have to say her name and she walks in the door. So, But you don't want to do it just to be on Oprah, just to be. And I think a part of me in the early years was like, I want to be famous. You don't want to be on television. But then I also had the part of me that really wanted to change. And I think this, uh, being an author, a lot of them are probably very introverted. And it is probably a challenge to put yourself out there and market yourself because you have to market your book and be on television and all those things. And so it's about making sure you're willing to do that and uh, Would you practicing all those things. <laughs> you describe yourself as an introvert? Absolutely. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm total introvert and I force myself to be an extrovert. I think I have a part of myself that's extroverted. I'm pretty balanced, but I think I 88, maybe 70% introverted, maybe 30% extroverted. Mm -hmm. I can turn it on. I prefer, I prefer small groups, small space, not a lot of attention. (laughs) I'm the same way, but I chose a career where I can pretty much get away with it. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the internet all the time on videos. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, helping other people get in the spotlight. Is- <laughs> so if I can do it, if you're an introverted author, you can do it. it it's just, uh, and I think it helps you grow. I remember when you and I first uh, practiced me being on TV the first time. You told me to sit in front of the camera and I actually told this advice to someone. Do you remember this? I you said, practice filming yourself so you can desensitize yourself. And she said, I want you, you said, I want you to be too, so boring and blah, and then say the same thing and be really over the top excited and then do a third one where you're kind of in the middle. And it was such a great, uh, great direction for me. And so that was really fun. You know, it's like, I'm so nervous. <laughs> you forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so many things, so many breakthroughs. <laughs> It's, it's really fun to, uh, you know, hear the things you remember and then have it trigger my own memories and mm-hmm. one of the things I remember that you didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a partnership when you work with someone like you, you know, you kind of, you, you know, 17 years later, we're still, we know each other, we keep in touch and, yeah. you know, yeah. you, were the begin- you were there at the beginning. <laughs> yes, I was. And I mean, and you know, you were really there. I mean, you know, you've been there for me. Um, mm-hmm. 
if you recall, when I, I had that a very difficult time around yes. the same time and, yeah. you know, fell in love with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, because actually, I know what that's like. I'm an expert in falling in love with the wrong person. Right. <laughs> you were like, who do I go to? Debbie, she falls in love with the wrong person all the time. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> she knows exactly what to do. <laughs> No, but you did rent your townhouse to me because you had moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And I, my credit had been destroyed by, mm-hmm. the, you know, because I had, uh, had allowed uh, him to, I had fronted him mm-hmm. the opportunities. And yes. Um, and yes, and I will never forget that. Mm. You trusted me and um, enabled yeah. me to have a nice place to live while I got things sorted out. Yes, it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, and I've referred you people and yes. our little tribe of friends, and we had our little radio show. And <laughs> that, that, oh, yes, I want to bring that up because th- that's kind of fun that we're here on. That's that's what I was sort of thinking of when we were just starting the podcast. I was like, well, this is interesting because one of the things that we did was we were all involved in this internet radio station yes. before podcasting. Existed. Yes. Before live streaming and video, yeah. before Facebook, I, when I was coaching with you, there was no Facebook. Right? Thank God. <laughs> I don't know how I would. Have, I don't know how single people deal with Facebook. I, and these young people, like I, I, I think looking at people you're dating and who they're with now, and like everything's public and right. Very, very strange. Yeah. I, I yeah. say if I had started, if I had started my podcast when podcasting first became possible, I'd be king of the world right now. Queen of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so early. Like there was not, there, it was a wide open blue ocean. But it was great practice. We had like, I had like two people on the show. And actually, you know who I interviewed for my show? Marie Forleo. I interviewed and I interviewed all these big authors. Yeah, because I had my book. So I was like, oh, I'm not there. Let love in. And, and it she- was the hypnotic dating show. <laughs> And, you know, she was just getting started. Yeah, she, well, she was a little far, farther along, but yeah, she, yeah, but not, she had her book, Make Every Man Want You. Right? She yeah, Make Every Man that. Want You, that one. Right. But she hadn't gotten into the, the B-School or any of that yet. No, no. She, was, she had told me about B-School. Or no, it was, um, she was doing something like Hot, Sexy, and Rich or something program. It was before B-School, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so she was like starting to talk about that. But it was like, oh my God, I went through my old blog uh, that I've had for, you know, 20 years. And I saw Marie Forleo and I'm like, oh my God, I interviewed her like 20 years ago. So all these people you get to meet and um, yeah, I mean, you get people that are famous reading your book and saying, it's your book. <laughs> oh, now really? An example, like who... Who was the who was who who complimented your book that you were like kind of the most blown away in terms of like their their place in the world? I can't say their name because it's confidential. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that big, huh? That big. <laughs> gotcha. <Yes. laughs> Great. So yeah, and um, and just like people that I you know. Um, people that I never thought would think of me as an expert, you know, these people that have advanced degrees and um, doctors and, you know, all these professional women uh, have big companies and they're just like, Oh, I read your book. And I'm like, really? Like you're, you're like a billionaire. (laughs) Like, Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, I get to, you know, help you, you know, it's, it's just really nice. And that is something about um, books as a medium Mm-hmm. that I think is so unique and so special. And the fact that it's, it's a great equalizer in a way, right? Because anybody who has a home and, and a, you know, even, even, even home, you know, even if without, even if you don't have a home, like just about every, anybody can afford to buy a book. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you can touch people all across the spectrum of, um, every every dynamic every demographic that you could possibly imagine yeah and you don't need to have um like i said in india have a big fan base they can't afford my private coaching but they can buy the book and use the visualizations and uh, i used to sell i put visualizations in the book and then later on i started selling the pack and so i would sell them for 100 bucks (laughs) 
people would buy the they buy the book and then they upsell to the visualization. So there's always ways to upsell and help people. And yeah, it's been uh, very rewarding and fun. And uh, it all started with you. And I just had the idea and was introduced to you. And I I remember you were working on your hearts paper scissors. Oh, yes. Yes. My and that's, and you were so excited about what you were doing. And you told me you got to go to this conference and meet these a- agents. And yes, that's right. I, that's right. I coached you on the writer's conference. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I met my agent. And I still keep in touch with them. They're always reaching out saying, are you ready for your next book? <laughs> so uh, what do you think, Debbie? When is your next book? I have to decide what topic. Ah, yeah. So I'm still going back for, I mean, I wrote another a whole, almost a whole book I was going to self-publish and uh, like a small little book. And so I might go ahead and finish it up, but I really want to write a book about, um, about femininity and, and power, but not feminine power, like the traditional sense, but just how do we become our true selves as women in the world? Because I think this, uh, it's like really the inner growth versus doing things, activism, that's great, but who are you becoming? And how do we connect to something deeper within us? Because the world needs our soul. It's, uh, you know, so that's my why. So I'm waiting for my why. Like, I don't want to just write a book that fits in with our business. And I think that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years is drafting things. And, and you know, it's sometimes that you have to wait until you're kind of set in your mind and you know where the why, and then it starts to flow. And so that's what I'm kind of wrestling with right now. And we're building our team out bigger. So I think once I get some key positions in place, I'll have more time to focus on it. And yeah, but, you know, I'm not complaining about too much business that I, I can't, <laughs> that I'm, I'm not bored. That's for sure. Yeah, I know that feeling. So, and you know, what you say too about the why, I think is, it's not, it's so vital, not even, not only just for getting started, but it's also what helps you get over those times that you were talking about when the distractions show up. And mm-hmm. Did you find yourself like reconnecting to the why? Like, is this part of what kept you going? Well, you know what? Actually, when I, um, I got the book deal, right? I met Robin in 2005 and I got the book deal in 2008. And um, I think when that happened, I mean, when I met Rob, it just kind of made me realize, okay, this does work. <laughs> what I'm doing and what I'm teaching, it does work. And I think sometimes, and I just know how much pain and heartbreak I had in my life. And I just said, I can't, um, it's like, it has to be written. I have to give people an alternative to what's out there in these dating tips. It's just like, ex- like acting a certain way and being fake and counting the hours till you text back. And now with all these, um, you know, with texting and people aren't even talking and having a conversation anymore. They're just like texting back. I'm like, did you talk to this person yet? No, we've been texting for three months. I'm like, texting? How do you get to know someone over a text? And and just kind of like that whole, um, you know, be fake and get your makeover. And I just feel like, I, it didn't resonate with me and I wanted to talk to women, especially women who've been out there for a while. And a lot of women that I work with are very professional. They're successful. You know, they're together. They're no, they don't need therapy. They just need to know how to work with their mind. They're, you know, like what's going on? Why are they stopping themselves? And, um, and believe in themselves again and believe that they're the prize, as I always say. <laughs> and I do remember you, you talked so much about your frustration with, all these programs that were like, gosh, what was the, oh, I don't want to name any names, but you know, (laughs) where, you know, it's like, this is the formula. This is, this is how you you do all these things. Yeah. And I remember you saying like, that just gets you someone who's in love with someone who looks like the formula. Yes. They're going to be, they're going to realize they're dating you. Yes. (laughs) and that if it's nothing like the formula, it's not going to work. I remember. Oh, yeah. There's this, uh, like some of them teach you, you have to play hard to get. And you just have to keep playing hard to get. That's their whole strategy. It's like, okay, well, when you're married, are you going to be like, honey, uh, I'm, you have to speak to me first. I can't like talk to you. Like that whole like idea. Um, I think the human psyche 
is so complex. We're so unique, each one of us. And if we distill ourselves into a, in a formula as for love, love is like this active force within us. We have to get intimate with ourselves. It's not about anything about the action. I mean, I made every mistake that they would tell you in a dating book with Rob, but it was right. Like, I mean, he gave me a poem on our first, second date or first, no, the second date he gave me a poem. You know, everything they said, oh, red flag, he's too desperate or whatever. I just was like, I'm ready. Like, it's like you have to get to know who you are so you see that that other person is only a reflection of how, how intimate you want to be with yourself is going to be that relationship out there. And that's what I love about the new work we do with the shadow work, because it really is, it's not like finding the right guy. It's like understanding yourself. So when you, you know who the right guy is, like, you know, right away, you know, you're seeing yourself in them. The things you love about yourself and the things you reject about yourself are going to show up in that person. And so it's not just looking for that perfect persona and a guy who's going to follow all the tick boxes. It's something more organic and we're all different and we all fit together in different pieces differently. And we got to find what your piece is, you know, and how that works. Beautiful. And that's a why. That's a why. It's like giving people an alternative. Yeah. Some people told me that when they read my book was the first time they really felt hope. Oh. Uh, the, uh, the editor of the, um, of the, in, at Wiley said, you know, most books tell you what you're doing wrong. She's, she said, your book is telling them this is why things are going wrong and how you can change it. <laughs> and if you look at the dating market, the dating relationship, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. These are the deadly dating mistakes. These are, <laughs> you know, red flags. You're, you're not keeping your boundaries. You're doing it all wrong. You're scaring them away. You're too desperate. <laughs> you're not thin enough. So someone actually said that. Why are you putting that in your book? You talk about the mind and meditation, and then you add this in. And maybe it was her publisher told her, you got to add some of that stuff in. But I think it's really important that people have an alternative. So if you're writing a book, think about what's out there and what story hasn't been told yet. That's where, instead of writing a carbon copy of what other people have done. And that is so key. I could talk to you for hours about this. Isn't it? That's so key to the success, right? And, like, and, and really, it's also key to getting a book deal because as, my, as the great Michael Larson <laughs> says in his book, you know, no one wants to publish the second book of anything, right? Yes. Right? So when you have that, uh, that... And even writing the proposal, like why is this book different than the other books? Why do a competitive analysis? Why is this complementary to a book that maybe had been successful? You know, how is it like that, but different? That's really what you want to do. I can't believe an hour has flown by so quickly. Uh, I know. What, what's a final thought on uh, the story behind the story do you would like to leave us with? <laughs> I think the story is that you have to, um, you just have to be dedicated to your, that vision of writing that book and not let anything stop you and get all the experts. Don't, don't go cheap. Find, uh, find the best because it's going to be worth it in the long run. If I would have gotten, gone the cheap route, I might not have had the success I've had. And in, in order to have great things, you have to invest in people that are experts like you, someone to really help you. If it's really that important to you, why, why would you play it cheap with some, your dream, you know? And then you have to be willing to follow through. The, the person that you hire isn't going to be your magic key. You have, to, you have to be part of that magic. You are the key. They're just helping you direct you in the way. Sound uh, okay to me? <laughs> okay to you? Beautiful. I was just thinking, I was, I was trying to do the ROI for what you invested and compare that to $10 million. It's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to share what your fees were back then because people are like, oh, can I have that deal? <laughs> but Let's say I think I got a thousand times ROI. I know. Even at my current fees, it's still a hell of an ROI. So it's all good. But, well, and what's uh, the price of having your life, your doing what you love, sharing a message, having someone at your, a parent's funeral, friends of your parents saying how proud they were of you, having, you know, the 
it's kind of looking back and go, wow, look what I created. Those are priceless. The money is on the, you know, cream on the top. I mean, who you become in the process is actually really the, uh, the prize, you know, it really is. And um, so that's the priceless part. And you know what? That is the punctuating thought because it really is about who you become in the process. Yes. And when we think of the term author, and it does carry that gravitas, it does carry that extra weight. But it's, it's not because you have a book in your hand. It's because of the process. And as you so eloquently just said, and who you become mm. while you're writing. Yes. Going through that and going through the whole thing, including allowing it into the world. Yes, it's really. And, you know, I just am so forever grateful for you. Just like people are grateful for me for writing the book. You know, it's like it passes on. Like we need to inspire each other. We need to be, you can't do this on an island. You know, you need other people to help you reach your dreams. And it's okay to ask for help and support. And I know so many people that keep telling me, I'm going to write a book one day. It's like, okay, when? <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you, Robin, for everything. Thank you, Debbie, for, for being here and sharing your story. And I, I just know that um, a lot of our listeners, there's so many nuggets in here for our listeners. And thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.